Hey everyone, I am super excited this week to announce the release of my brand new mystery suspense novel. It's called Ring of Conspiracy, and it is the sequel to my previous one, Splintered State. Uh, both of these are going to be part of a trilogy ultimately called the Volia series. And this book actually releases today, which is December 14th. As a treat for this week, instead of doing an international relations topic, we're going to be doing a reading of the first chapter of Ring of Conspiracy. And I'm really excited to share that with you. So without further ado, here is chapter one. Chapter one. The first shovel load of topsoil missed the mark and landed on a brand new pair of alligator skin dress shoes. A cascade of pebbles and grime showered over their scaly leather, causing a thick layer of dust and dirt to settle on the hide. Sorry, boss, Abram Danko mumbled as he avoided the irritated gaze of the man wearing those shoes. He knew what the glare looked like anyway, a stern frown, wrinkled forehead, and eyes that shot daggers. Such was the normal look of their boss, and Danko had been on the receiving end enough times to visualize it vividly with his eyes closed. Intensity was the only emotion the man was capable of expressing. Just keep digging, the boss ordered, his abrasive voice tinged with a quiet anger. The large, burly man slowly and intentionally shook each foot rid of its unwanted coat of earth. Danko and his partner, Ruslan Volk, soon fell into a rhythm, one scraping a heavy shovel into hard-packed dirt while the other slung his payload from their slowly deepening hole. Neither spoke a word for several minutes as the pile of dirt at the side of the pit slowly rose. It felt creepy enough out here in the church graveyard without having to add the patter of awkward small talk to the mix. Eerie tendrils of moonlight glowed and sliced through the canopy of trees overhead, casting long shadows across the grass and making it difficult to see beyond an arm's length. Denko supposed that was for the best. It made it easier to imagine he was somewhere else, anywhere else without the extra visual of a multitude of worn headstones, reminding him they were surrounded by dead and decaying corpses. The steeple of the local parish looming overhead did no favors either. Its towering presence created a deep sense of foreboding. Dead bodies had always given Danko the creeps. He supposed it went back to a fear of his uncle. Uncle Lewis had been eccentric and irreverent. He was known for being a little too cavalier with the coroner job entrusted to him. When Danko's mom and dad went on one of their drug-induced hallucinatory vacations, Lewis would bring young Abram to the lab and perform autopsies in front of the children. The whole procedure had been scarring. Uncle Lewis eventually cracked and was arrested for using one recent homicide victim as a ride-along passenger in the front seat of his 72 Chevy so he could use the carpool lane. Now Lewis was never mentioned at family gatherings, rare though they were, except for the occasional whispers of how Crazy Lou was managing at Sunnydale Psychiatric downtown. The two had been digging for 15 minutes or so, Danko guessed, when a dull clang rang out through the crisp night air, right as Volk slammed his shovel into the dirt. The sound brought the attention of the man above them, and he cautiously made his way into the pit to examine their discovery for himself. Yes, yes, this is it, he murmured in a gravelly voice. Keep digging. We need to get this open. Showing disregard for the same shoes he'd so carefully dusted off, he climbed out again and gestured his two employees back to work. The pair nervously shrugged and started digging again, but an abrupt shout startled the men and they looked up to spy a lone figure jogging toward them, dodging headstones across the grassy expanse. Hey there, a man's voice rang out through the crisp air. What are you doing here? The cemetery is closed. The groundskeeper, a hefty man in his late fifties, was making his rounds. 
They'd timed their activity to avoid this scenario, but he'd arrived on the scene earlier than expected. Merely paying respects to a friend, their boss spoke calmly, with a hint of arrogance and a sneer on his lips. He knew the groundskeeper wasn't going to drop the questions based on that flimsy excuse, especially when he spotted the growing hole they were making in his cemetery. We closed at sundown, young man. The large man continued to waddle furiously toward their location. Danko and Volk watched as their boss casually repositioned his hand inside his leather jacket. He said nothing as they watched the groundskeeper advance. What do you think you're doing? You can't do that. I'm going to call the police. He'd noticed the disruptive nature of their activity. He unsnapped his cell phone from a belt clip on his waist. You don't want to do that. The boss took a final drag on his cigarette and tossed it to the ground with a flick of his wrist, snuffing it out with the sole of his alligator shoes. Digging up a grave is a felony offense. The obese groundskeeper fumbled with his phone, flipping it open with a loud click. The police will sort this out when they get here. He never managed to finish dialing. A sudden pop sounded, echoing across the cemetery, and the large man stumbled backwards. His mouth slackened and agape. Two more pops in rapid succession, and he slumped to the ground with a loud thud. He twitched once, and then all movement ceased. A pink mist hung in the air where he once stood. Danko turned to see his boss with a fiery look in his eyes and a silenced MSS Vool, standard issue for KGB spies in the 1980s, gripped in the hand of his outstretched arm. No one uttered a sound for several long seconds as they watched him holster the fired weapon and slowly rebutton his jacket. He turned to face them, their eyes wide and their bodies frozen. He flashed a wry smile. They hadn't been told about the possibility of someone being murdered. He hadn't even elected to mention he was carrying a gun, though they probably should have guessed. But now that they understood what lengths he was willing to go to, there would be no double-crossing tonight. What are you waiting for? You want someone else to come investigate the rumble from that whale hitting the ground? The words were biting and sharp, but had the desired effect. Danko and Volk redoubled their efforts and sank their shovels into the unforgiving ground. It wasn't another five minutes before they uncovered their find. A long, wooden box lay before them. Unremarkable, really, it was light brown and plain, with no distinguishing features. Not even the customary cross, with which so many coffins in this quaint town were etched before burial. Much like its topside appearance, only an unadorned concrete headstone to mark its location. The box showed no signs to indicate the identity of the individual contained within. But as Danko knew, that only made it more mysterious. He'd been hired for this job without being enlightened on any details, but he was no idiot. Ever since arriving at the cemetery, he'd been piecing it together, combining the unusual appearance of the grave at the specific church in this tiny town with the physical nature of the box being remarkably still intact and not yet deteriorated. He felt reasonably certain whose post-mortem residence they were currently disturbing. Open it, their box commanded. Y you want us to open it? Volk finally spoke up, a twitch evident in his shaking voice. That wasn't part of the deal. You just told us we had to do the digging. His voice trailed off as the boss tugged back his jacket a few inches, revealing his shoulder holster. The man's right hand rested on the grip of the weapon he'd utilized minutes earlier. Still have three rounds. How many do I need? His meaning was clear. Volk and Danko nervously glanced at each other before turning back to the coffin. Both leaned over and gripped the edge of the wooden box, bracing themselves for what they knew lay inside. Counting to three, the men wrenched upward, pulling the lid with them. The stench of the stale air caused them to recoil. A cloud of dust and dirt, and God only knows what else, exploded in a poof from the previously sealed chamber, coating the two men. Is it there? Their boss, for the first time, sounded genuinely jubilant about the prospect of finding his treasure inside. 
Indeed, it was there, a small drawstring bag clutched beneath the crossed arms of the decedent. What exactly he wanted with such a frivolous item belonging to a dead man eluded Danko, but he wasn't being paid to speculate on motive. Volk gingerly reached into the tomb and pulled it out, holding it delicately between forefinger and thumb. He passed it upward out of the grave to his superior, who looked giddy as he grabbed the dusty, odorous item. He pointed at a metal briefcase laid next to the hole. Payment is in there. In full, the man remarked. Then he spun on his heels, and without glancing behind him, he disappeared into the night. Right as he did, the clock in the church steeple rang out. It was midnight. Hey everyone, thanks so much for listening to that chapter one reading of Ring of Conspiracy. I really hope you enjoyed that and hope that you know gave a little bit of a taste of the book and hope it, it whetted your appetite for it. If you are at all interested, I would really appreciate if you guys would go check out the book. It is on Amazon in both paperback and Kindle. You can find it under J. Robert Kinney, Ring of Conspiracy. So please go check that out. It would mean so much to me if you did that. Uh, and I hope you guys just keep continuing to listen to Nutshell Politics. My name is Dr. Justin J. Robert Kinney, and I am out in three two, one.